from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. Oh yeah, your sports headquarters on Thursday. Silver Sevens, Flamingo and Paradise. We're here for the next four hours. Lots of Golden Knights hockey to talk about. My God, come on, come on. Freaking nightmare. VGK loses. We'll bring in a, a ton of hockey experts, including the guy who's already here, Adam Candy. He loves the NHL, so he's got some strong takes. So do I on the game last night. Home ice, gone. And now the Knights got to right the ship across the border. So, yeah, Silver Sevens on a Thursday, 277 on the drinks. That's happy hour starting up at 3. We've got... NHL on the other side of the bracket coming up in just a little bit. We'll get to the NBA tilt tonight. But we start out with the craziness around the National Basketball Association. Candy, we saw a couple of coaches get fired the other day. SVG, the hedgehog, Stan Van Gundy was annoyed. A lot of people, when they saw him go bye-bye from the Pelicans, were like, wait, COVID year? Really? And he's gone? Uh, Contract deal, they can't come to terms Brooks and the Wizards, and now we've seen trouble of brewing in Mavs land, and Rick Carlisle today is like, yeah, I'm walking, which suggests to me with time left on your contract that he's already got a potential job lined up, but the story here is the slow unraveling of Cuban's franchise, and this all started how? Well, Steve, there's been nothing slow about this. It's really happened quickly this week. With the athletic story from Sam Amick and Tim Cato talking about how the front office of Dallas has been an absolute mess for the last few years, ever since Mark Cuban brought in Harlebaugh, famous uh, gambler, to work on theoretically the analytics approach to basketball in the Dallas Mavericks organization. And Rick Carlisle apparently has been the recipient of a lot of that heat in which, according to this article in The Athletic, Rick Carlisle was having usage patterns and rotations for his lineup being dictated to him by Harlebob, who clearly was not getting along with Donnie Nelson, who was running basketball operations for the Mavericks. Donnie Nelson left the organization yesterday. Rick Carlisle leaves the organization today. And Rick Carlisle makes very clear in his statement, after conversations with Mark Cuban... He's decided to move on. So this, you know, this was a classy statement by Rick Carlisle, who's been in Dallas for more than a decade. But it was also a pointed statement to be clear that, yeah, the problem here comes from the top. 13 years in Dallas, Carlisle won an NBA title with Dirk. Yeah, I mean, since then, solid, not spectacular coach. Uh, lots of playoff appearances, uh, but lost in the first round every single time since they won the title. But that's not really the story. The story is... Uh, the old guard is out, new guard is in, and it'll be a conversation we build on throughout the show. So Rick Carlisle out in Dallas. Boy, oh, boy. Philly, oh, Philly. Full Philly last night on social media. Candy, what in the hell happened to the Sixers who were rolling destruction of the Hawks up 26? And Bede came out at 17 in the first quarter. You know, exercising the Devils from the game before. We went 4 of 20 from the floor. They lost? 4 of 8 in the first half, 0 of 12 in the second in game 4 for Joel Embiid. 
then 37 points essentially through three quarters for Joel Embiid last night. I have to be honest, Cofield, like with the Golden Knights game going at essentially the same time, I wasn't paying really close attention to the Sixers and the Hawks. I was kind of living it through a couple of friends uh, who are from the Pennsylvania area, and I started seeing the texts roll in like, uh-oh, yeah, uh-oh, <laughs> wait a second, the Sixers are about to blow a lead. And then one of my employees wrote in on our, on our company Slack and said, I'm going to call in dead tomorrow, depending on how these last two minutes go. And... Uh, <laughs> He claimed this afternoon he had a dentist appointment that he had to take off for, but I already told him, listen, man, no excuses. You don't need to tell me. Like, I I would be sick to my stomach after having to watch that. So the Philadelphia 76ers blow a 26-point second lead, just the fifth time in the last 25 years that a team has blown a lead of 25 or more in the playoffs. Amazing. Amazing. And Philly fans were uh, crazy last night. I saw one of the producers... Uh, essentially the RE of WIP, and you know you get the over-the-top, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in sports. Like, eh. It was a collapse. It's bad. Uh, the series ain't over. Uh, Sixers are clearly a flawed team. We'll break down the game and some of the uh, foolishness down the stretch that led to the collapse. So we got an NBA game tonight. Nets, 3-2 lead. You got Milwaukee taking on Brooklyn. That's a 5-30 start. You have an angle, or at least one that you want to gamble on with Tampa and the Islanders. That's a five P start. All I'll say in general about that series, because I have not done a lot of betting on anything involving the Islanders in the playoffs, is that the Islanders are, as you saw in game two and in game one, plenty live. I mean Tampa came, you know, came on late in game two and got the job done, but the Islanders prove that they are quite live in this series, and they're being priced as such compared to the Canadiens especially. All right, let's get to the subject at hand, Candy. Nights last night. Boy, that first period in game one, that wasn't good. The first period last night, I don't even know how to describe that. Ultimately, the two first periods from these last two games weren't any different. The result was different, but first period on Monday night, Golden Knights just got lucky. They really did. Montreal didn't put away the chances. Montreal had all the same chances in the first 10 to 15 minutes of game one that it did in game two. It just managed to make them pay off. And then you saw exactly what Montreal does well. They go into a shell, they turtle up, and they hide. And they just pulled it off, right? They just barely mm. held off VGK once they decided to go into the shell. Yeah. But it worked. It worked. It worked. That's the style they can play. Carry Price is pretty damn awesome on many nights. And, you know, Montreal had a game where they didn't play as desperately. Right? And a lot of that happened because they were able to kind of stymie the Knights early where the Golden Knights weren't coming at them in waves and they didn't, you know, the Canadians didn't commit stupid penalties. That was the problem in game one. Four yeah. minor penalties for Montreal in game one, and some of them were really poorly timed. I mean, just the yeah, end of the first period, beginning of the second period, right when the momentum had started to shift away from them a little bit, and the Golden Knights took advantage. And, and there you saw the kind of game that they can play when they're ahead for the Golden Knights. But uh, look, ultimately, we've talked about the fact that there is a talent gap between these teams, 
But Montreal has now won eight of its last nine games in the playoffs. And so there's nothing that should make you believe that the Golden Knights are a lock to come back and win this series, even if they are legitimately the favorite. Adam Candy's here. It's uh, Cofield. Man, I love Marc-Andre Fleury. One of my heroes. Get that statue out in front of T-Mobile, but uh, I got to get a little rough on him on the way back. That was not a great game. We got to talk about some of the goals and the mistakes that Fleury made and also lots of missed opportunities for the Knights. And now we got an even series. Canadians were supposed to be uh, patsies here going into last night's game. Minus 1,100 the Knights were to win the series, and now we got a freaking series. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. Sliding puck through center. A chance down the middle. They score. Paul Byron. 3-0 Montreal. A loose pocket center, and out of nowhere, Paul Byron pounced on it. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Yeah, it looked completely hopeless at that point. That was Dan Duva on the call. 3-0. That was at the end of the second period. All right, you get out of the second. You had a lot of chances. There's some encouraging stuff. Maybe you're down 2-0 going to the third, and then that goal is allowed. And, you know, Candy, while I've, I've said the man deserves a statue, he's going to go down uh, forever as... You know, one of the uh, all-time Golden Knights, certainly all-time NHL goalies. Flurry did not have a great game last night. You're leaving it there. You look. You sounded before the break like you had plenty more to add to that. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm the, waiting. The, the, I'm the, waiting the, for your detailed breakdown of the, why Mark Andre Flurry didn't have a good night. The Toffoli goal, while Toffoli was in range, was another. Sort of fluttery knuckleball that got between his legs. Not a great goal to give up. And honestly, the way he defended Byron, he went a little, like, hero goalie. And and he admitted it afterwards. Diving and trying to poke it away wasn't the right move. And, you know, if he, if he makes a save on one of those, we could be talking about a different game. And, you know, while the guy stood on his head and saved the Knights' asses on so many occasions... And we got to break down last night's game. It wasn't his best. You know what? It's I'm hard, not, man. I like the guy. It's hard. Yeah, I, I and that's why I'm ca- treading a little cautiously here because <laughs> don't. Yeah, don't you go, I, you I'm go actually too far, trying. I'm going to rip your head off. I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that you, that you're acknowledging some chinks in the armor for once. But amazing. I actually, don't know that this is the day. Uh, oh, really? Okay. No, I, I can tell you that that goal by Toffoli. Honestly, why do major league hitters look like fools? Swinging at changeups right down the middle yeah. because they're ready for the fastball. Mark Andre Fleury was in perfect position if Tyler Toffoli hit that thing full speed, and then he gets like the paintbrush job on that puck, and it slides knock hockey style right between his legs. And you're kind of looking knock at it like, hockey. oh, oh my god, what what happened there? Um, so you know, a weird goal if not a bad one. And the other part, you want a statue for Mark Andre Fleury? You want something out front? Guess what it's going to look like? I know you're probably going to think it looks like the diving save against Toronto. You want the thing that makes it look the most like a Marc-Andre Fleury? It's a poke check. Yeah. <laughs> it is a poke check. Marc-Andre Fleury has been a gambler 
yeah. for the entire time he's been a goaltender. That's the style that we were spending so much time talking about last year, right? When Robin Leonard came in for the Golden Knights last year, when Robin Leonard, air quotes, settled things down in goal for the Golden Knights, Robin Leonard we talked about as, you know what? He doesn't move as much. He's solid. He just kind of plays his angles. He's a huge dude. He goes kind of Geico walrus in net and blocks the whole thing. So Marc-Andre Fleury is different. Marc-Andre Fleury takes chances. In fact, Marc-Andre Fleury nearly had a couple of pucks taken away from him off his stick when he went to play them behind the net in game one that could have ended up in total disaster. So you get what you get with, uh, with Fleury. If he makes that po check on Byron, then you look at it and say, wow, there's Fleury being Fleury going to get the job done. In the end, it comes down to this. I don't care if Marc-Andre Fleury tries to go and make a poke check. I don't care if he lets in one that's a little on the softer side. It's still a 2-3 goal situation there for Montreal. Where, where's the Golden Knights scoring? Yeah. Where, where, where's the offense? Because well, and we, had a, we, had a couple of, we had a couple of examples where you saw in the second, you saw the patches post, patch already, in what turned out to be you know a one-on-one situation. Good shot, but just a little bit off. Smacks off the post, and then I, I don't know how a couple minutes later uh, Martinez had one point blank in front. I don't know how Price made the save. No, and Carey Price can do that to you, and that's the problem when you're chasing Carey Price. It's a lot different situation if the Golden Knights are scoring, but, I mean, Steve, we've played 120 minutes of hockey in this series, and the Golden Knights forwards have one goal. The defensemen have five, which is awesome. The Golden Knights' goals and assists, their defensemen lead everyone in the playoffs, most of any team, which is great when it's adding to the forwards. It's not so great when it's trying to cover up for them. On the way back, we're going to check in with our buddy Xavier Pope. He talks to us uh, every Thursday in the first hour. We'll get back to some NBA. We'll get into what happened with the Sixers and that collapse. And later in the show, we've got some uh, great, great hockey guests, including – Golden Knights super fan and uh, poker star Daniel Negreanu. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. You're listening to Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's a Thursday, one of our favorite spots of the week. Xavier Pope, legal analyst, expert on everything, is in with Cofield and company. Let's start off by talking some NBA. Oh, my God. I see Philly going full Philly last night, and I don't mean the team. I mean the fans. What a freaking disaster. I feel so bad for some of the guys on the team. But first and foremost, Joel Embiid, who is uh, now attached to these collapses by the Sixers. We're talking a lot about the, the Sixers, but we have to – Focus on Trey Young. 39 points, bringing that team back. Lemon Pepper, Lou Will, uh, <laughs> and that team coming back from 26 down. It appears as if Trey Young loves, he's one of those players who loves being in visitors' arenas. Yep. And we've, we've not seen many stars who embrace being a villain, visitor arenas, and just totally getting the fans upset. And that's more fuel for him to play better. Yeah. And I've not enjoyed a, a player in the playoffs as much as I've watched Trey Young in a long time. I mean, he, he has been spectacular, not only with his play and his leadership, assisting the ball, but just his swag, his attitude. This is his first playoffs. Yeah. Does it feel like 
first playoffs? Team? No, not at all. And do I dare say that this is Trey Young is this era's Reggie Miller? A lot of people are calling him this era's Reggie Miller um, because of his embracing the villain status and him taunting fans. Um, but I mean, he has a completely different skill set um, in terms of what he does on the on the basketball court. Um, and he's just a sensational basketball player. And a lot of people were you know, comparing who are the best players, young players in the game right now. I mean, Luca's gone. Trey Young's still there. Well, and Ben Simmons may be gone soon as well. And that's one of the narratives of the series. Ben Simmons shooting just seems to be getting worse. And I don't get it. The guy was anointed a superstar and he doesn't seem to be getting better at the, you know, improving at his one deficiency and that is shooting the free throws are just ridiculous. Yeah, Ben Simmons' shooting motion is, is completely broken. and you, you have to be able to have a reliable shot that you can repeat over and over again. And it just seems as if every time Ben Simmons rises up to shoot the basketball, it looks like a completely different shot each time. Yep. And it looks awkward for him to be able to do it. And he's relying on a lot of his athleticism to be able to do a lot of different things in the basketball court, some of his vision in terms of assisting the ball. But Ben Simmons doesn't look like a superstar. I love that the Clippers got it done last night. I love even more the fact that uh, Paul George had a monster game, and I'm still not understanding why there are so many people who don't like Paul George and maybe the the playoff P has done him in. But I, I, I really believe part of – Paul George being a punching bag goes back to him throwing it all out there during the bubble last year and saying he was having some mental health issues. And, you know, we're so we're in such a machismo sports world that some people can't get past that. Yeah, I, I think that may play a part of it. And I think it's disgusting um, because we are, we've entered an era where people talk more about the mental health. And I think that that's important um, that we, you know, we, Naomi Osaka, we saw that with Brandon Marshall openly discussing mental health. And that doesn't make you a, a lesser athlete or a lesser person. It makes you honest and open and need to have more conversations with when people are struggling and dealing with mental health issues. And mental health doesn't, doesn't mean it has, a, it has so many different elements to it. And people are lumping it into like one, one pot. But it, I, I think it's still the playoff P. I think it's Paul George declaring he's playoff P before right. he'd ever won anything of significance. Right. And, and so when he said that, fans were like, wait, wait, what are, you, what are you talking about? We don't, where's the record? I mean, you had the one series in Indiana versus the, um, versus the Heat, and that's the only thing that people really could point to. Um, but in terms of having a history of playoff success, Paul George didn't have that. And, and, I, and remember this, Steve. Remember when he, when he got hurt um, on the Olympic team and he was out for a year and how fans rallied around him for him to get better? Yep. You know, and so <laughs> it, it, it's so weird that the narrative changed to him maybe chasing a title, the whole super team narrative, and looking at him, you're a guy chasing a title, but you're you are not really the you're not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and but the last three games of the playoffs, Paul George has shown that he is that guy. Yeah, no doubt the the super team thing does build dislike amongst fans so that's one of the big themes you know while the two super teams are still alive the Clippers and the Nets uh the other one that's sort of taken over in the NBA are the injuries to the major players now that said Kawhi Leonard's down we don't know how serious the knee injury is I don't know that I'm on board yet with what LeBron 
was saying yesterday that he had predicted this and this is what happens when you condense a season. Do you think that's the reason, Dr. Pope, as to why we're seeing all the injuries? I just I, I think it's too coincidental to, to be a real explanation. What do you think? Yes, you're correct. I am not a doctor, <laughs> but but I did talk about this on Twitter yesterday. The biggest sticking points in the start or restart of the NBA looking coming right after a season that ended in a bubble in terms of of the union and the league was when do we start the season and what impact that it could potentially have on players' health. So that wasn't something that just came out of the blue just now. This these were these were issues that players players were raising then, but at the time we didn't have a wide a widely available vaccine. We still had a pandemic. We still had sports basically taking a big tanking in terms of ratings and so we really had sports on the brink of being viable businesses in america anymore it seems absurd to think of it now now that now that we're having a society that's roaring back but players wanted wanted to get on board too because they didn't know where their next paychecks were going to come from and they wanted to make sure that they, they were able to secure their families' futures and so hindsight is 2020 but we had 2020, but we really didn't know what type of future we would have um, in society. And so that, that leaves us where we are. Xavier Pope is with us on Cofield and Company. All right, the most explosive issue right now in sports, I believe, is the NFL's issue with vaccinated and unvaccinated players. Yesterday, they dropped the bomb with a list of restrictions and essentially freedoms, freedoms for the players who are vaccinated, restrictions for the players who are unvaccinated. Uh, this is such a deep issue because everyone has thoughts on you know what their medical situation is. People want to exercise their freedoms and not get vaccinated. This is a really deep one. What do you think of what the NFL did in essence without forcing unvaccinated players to get vaccinated? They kind of forced them to. Um, well, you, you see some of the different things on the list, you know, about travel restrictions and uh, a, a player limit in, in, a, in a weight room and and how to behave. I mean, we see this in wider society, though, where businesses are saying, OK, if you don't have a if you're not vaccinated, these are some of the things that you do. If you are vaccinated, these are, these are some of the other things that you do. Uh, why would you with all the science that is out there, with all the different uncertainty that's out there, everyone's had vaccines in their body since they, that they could even think or talk get a darn vaccine and feel comfortable about your future. Okay. If you want, if you're listening to this, you're not vaccinated. I'm sorry that you're triggered. If, you, if it's, I had two people die of COVID. I probably would have loved to have taken that vaccine when it was available to them. All right. This should not be a big issue about vaccination versus not vaccinated, but the NFL re- recognizes that there are so many players and some of them impacted by some of the politics that is that in our society that now the NFL has to make a decision, okay, what do we do? We, we can't, you know, have no policy and then there are teams that are, we have a competitive balance issue in terms of how we deal with teams and how we deal with players and outbreaks. And so the NFL is trying to get ahead of being certain of the decision that it makes with the sport. These seem like cute little rules. But let's see what it put to the, is put to the test during the NFL season. Right. Well, I'll say, you know, I've thought about this, uh, you know, a lot the last couple of weeks, and I want to be open to both sides. And, and normally I'm anti-establishment and counterculture, and I like pushing back. I'm pro-labor, uh, so I'm for workers' rights. I'm, I'm actually intrigued 
uh, by the possibility that you could have, uh, say, a bunch of the starting quarterbacks, right? We've had a bunch of them say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to answer if I'm vaccinated. We have a, a group of quarterbacks that includes uh, guys like Trevor Lawrence and Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Zach Wilson, Josh Allen, um, who may or may not be vaccinated. What does the league do if there's like 10 or 12 starting quarterbacks? We're like, man, you know what? We're not getting it. There's nothing they can do. No, there's nothing. The, the league is basically hoping that this doesn't happen. The league is hoping, really, the league is actually banking on society. And I talked about this last week when I talked about back, uh, the, the pandemic freeloaders. The NFL is hoping that society itself gets more vaccinated, gets more safe, and that they can minimize the risks to their players. And hopefully no one gets sick. And hopefully it doesn't impact um, the sport. Yeah. And we have seen this play out legally in public, Xavier, with uh, what is it? Houston Methodist Hospital, where um, the hospital said, yeah. hey, every, every, all the employees have to get vaccinated. There's 26,000 uh, in, the, in the group. And uh, about 200 said, hey, we're not doing it. They got suspended. It went to court. And what happened? What did the judge say? Yeah, they, well, first and foremost, the, the lawsuit in of itself, the documents that were filed were absurd. And patently, many of it was, was, was bigoted. They used the whole uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, Star of David. Oh, no. A Holocaust camp elements to, to say this is what's happening to, to people. So the judge admonished the complaint in of itself. And, and, and called it out for what it was. And so um, and they, it was legally deficient on its face. It looked like a, a, a kid wrote, wrote crayons on it. And so that was the issue is that it, on its face structurally it was just not a really well-filed complaint. Um, but the legal arguments weren't there because, like, like I said earlier, employers um, can and make sure for the, the safety of its workplace to make sure people... Uh, get, get vaccinated. And if they don't want that, they can go find another job. I want to get back to the NFL specifically. I saw the video the other day of Mina Kimes going in on John Gruden. And then I saw you point out that maybe Gruden is an example of some of the issues around the National Football League with diversity hiring. Because uh, the writers kind of, you know, they didn't really honor much of the uh, the spirit of the Rooney rule. Mark Davis wanted John Gruden. He got John Gruden. Yeah, but... We, we saw some of the stats on on, on John Gruden. Well, I, I I live them. I'm here, <laughs> so I I see you know, I see how the, you know at times mediocre it has been. I know that the team were excited to get the Raiders in Vegas, but they weren't excited to get uh, over the you know past this prime coach who you can only get so far with scrunching your face on the sideline. <laughs> you actually have to win games, and many people were blaming on their quarterback. Um, Derek Carr, but I mean, if your defense is 32nd against the pass, there's one of the statistics that was put there, and they've been awful in uh, so many different areas of that team. And they treated John Gruden like they ushered him right in, and everything else was a formality. And I think that we have to end that, especially when you have coaches like Jim Caldwell um, and others that. Eric Bieniemy not getting the opportunity to African American coaches to be able to. Then we had um, the issue with the Asian American coach, you know, uh, Chung, yep. you know, being being said he's not the right minority. We have to have a whole new way of looking at how coaches, GMs are hired in National Football League because clearly what's ushering guys that who maybe had some glory years ago went to the booth collected a couple of paychecks and coming back to the sidelines clearly is not working. 
All right, Xavier, sit tight. Coming up, we'll get back to the NBA and break down some of the great storylines in the series with my Nets and those Milwaukee Bucks. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on this Thursday, our guest is Xavier Pope, legal analyst out of Chicago. So, Xavier, I wanted to tell you about the situation here in Vegas. We're opening up. Things are hot. Uh, lots of jobs are being offered. Places like a local group, Station Casinos, has 800 jobs they're offering up. Allegiant Stadium is going to do a big hiring bonanza. But here, just like lots of places around the country, people aren't coming back to work. There's still a lot of jobs open. Why do you think that's the case? I think that, Steve, we, we, we had a, a pandemic. People were at home. People started doing things with their time to be able to make their lives better. So maybe not, not everyone, maybe started new exercise routines. Many people started spending their time doing certain activities. And then people started to re-examine, what am I, what, what, what am I exact, what do I have this job for really? And what is, what does it mean to work? And I think that people have re-examined what it is to work and what it is to spend every single day going to a job where you're waiting for it to become five o'clock. And then you spend Tuesday and Wednesday wish, wishing for the Tuesday, wishing for it was Wednesday hump day. And then on Wednesday, now you're wishing for it to be Friday. Right. What, what kind of what kind of life is that to live when you're spending 40 years of your, your, your life doing that? And what quality, if you're waking up with anxiety, you're in, in traffic, we as a, as a society really have to reexamine work. And what does it mean to work? And what does it mean to have a livable wage? And particularly when we saw this the report that came out that, that, that talked about many um, heads of corporations and they're not paying taxes and paying their fair share. And what does it mean when you don't feel like society is, is specifically set up for you to enjoy your actual life right. and what does work look like? And I think that that's what we're seeing is people looking at, looking at a, a life post-pandemic in a new world. Things are not going to go back to normal again because there's been a significant disruption and people are looking at their lives. I want to enjoy my life and I want a job that allows me to have the life that I want to live. Yeah, I think a lot of people are titillated by the fact, uh, you know, maybe they were exposed to working at home. And let's be frank, a lot of the service jobs I'm talking about, you know, in the casino industry here in Vegas, you've got to be in front of people. You do have to leave every day to go somewhere. And if the possibility exists that you can work from home and, you know, still maintain a high quality of life, then that's a pretty nice option. I agree. Um, I know that from my standpoint, um, not going into an office every day, um, even if I'm a, an entrepreneur, um, gated and not having to commute and spend so much time every day, two, three hours out of my day, that piles up over a week. You're looking at 40, 50 hours that I'm spending, that I'm just pretty much giving up to, do, to, to be around other people stressed out. Right. <laughs> I've gotten that time back to meditate. I've gotten that time back to exercise. I've gotten that time back to journal. And it's, it's made the quality of my life better. It's made me a happier person. And so mental health, we talked about this earlier, is a big part of what we're talking about right now. And we have to be able to address mental health the same way we do as any other benefit. You have to address time that you spend just 
enjoying your own life as part of a benefit. I think that companies should start thinking about this. Like, how do we how do we make your life better at home so we can bring you to work? You know, it's not work, but uh, hey, even going to games now can be uncomfortable. You know, I, if I'm just an innocent Nuggets fan, I go to a game and, you know, then I encounter the enemy fan in a son's jersey and it turns out to be a, like a full-blown hockey goon. What, what did you think? Uh, you know, both from a, just a, a, a viewing standpoint and then the legal standpoint of Suns and Four fan just annihilating Nuggets fan. Well, first and foremost, if you're going to sneak punch someone like yep. the, the guy with the bowl haircut um, <laughs> from Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> you have to back it up with something as opposed to balling up and then getting getting beat up and then having your friend taunted then getting beat up some more and being tossed out and then the guy saying sons in four and the sons actually win in four mm. um, in terms of a legal standpoint this is self-defense um, initially but once he had the gentleman in a compromised position and he was no longer a threat and held him and he cowered then that turns into an imperfect self-defense. So the second blow that he throws after he taunts the friend could potentially be he could potentially be criminally liable for that at right. those actions. It almost seems like if that went in front of a jury of his peers, that Nuggets fan would still be in trouble. Yeah, but the Nuggets fan initially threw the first punch. Yeah, so that's a problem. So to sway a jury in a case like that, they'd look at it and be like, eh, "I don't know if we can. I don't know in any circumstance that we can actually side with the Denver Nuggets fan." Well, you'd probably have to have an excellent prosecutor. Um, and this happened in Denver. <laughs> so um, you obviously also would have to have an unbiased jury. Um, <laughs> and uh, those fans are reeling right now. Um, so that would be a difficult issue. And you also, you, if you're defending the guy, you obviously want to seek some sort of venue change to a different portion of the state so that you don't have um, a biased jury if you're bringing it in, in, a, in a municipality such as Denver. So um, will charges be brought against this man? Um, and will it be, would it be successful if it was brought? I don't think so. Hmm. Um, I, I, the guy's a meme. And why this guy would be, would he, would he press charges? He's already been embarrassed of, of keeping it real goes wrong. Right. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and he would be worse off. And so I don't I don't I think that this is an interesting moment in time. I don't really think it goes anywhere. Um, and Suns and four. I mean, that guy you <laughs> you know, is, is a hero to the Suns now. Uh, when I go to games, I'm a traditionalist. so I like to eat the uh, traditional food. So I like to eat hot dogs. But I'm kind of blown away by something that you found on Twitter. There's now a hot dog patty that would, you would eat on a uh, round bun. Can you get down with this? See, as someone who has actually taken a piece of vegan sausage and pressed it down and made a burger out of it, I was already ahead of it. Hope the dominance is always on top of it. Uh, I, <laughs> predicting the food I, future. <laughs> predicting the few food future because at the time, I didn't have a hot dog butt. I had, I had a hamburger butt. <laughs> so I was like, well, I have to get this thing to work. And so I was able to do it. Um, I am... It's all about this. It's just a bunch of parts of an animal 
put into a tube and squeezed out. Yeah. So if it's the, if, if it's the shape of your <laughs> finger, or if it's the shape of a patty, what difference does that's, it make? That's that's a good point. Eat it's, the hot dog yeah. burger. Yeah, eat your uh, eat your your ground up pig snout and pig intestine. Uh, Any way we give it to you, if it's a patty or a tube steak, you do it. Uh, all right, let's now get. I'm from Chicago, though. I'm from Chicago. That, well, so that, Chicago, that is that is a problem because not put ketchup on it. So I don't care if it's a burger. Yeah. You don't put ketchup on it. Only mustard only. Thank you very much. You know what's funny on the Chicago dog? All the toppings on a Chicago dog, like the, the especially the the pickle, would fit real nice on a patty, a hot dog patty. We're on to something here. Yeah, I think we're on to something. I need, so, it, but the thing, but it's it's the, it's a long pickle, so you have to slice it. The circles now, mm. you have to use different circles now for that. I don't know whether that would be approved in Chicago, but I'm I'm a fan of the hot dog, uh, Patty. We got Bucks Nets game six tonight. Let's uh, close out where we started on the NBA. Um, are you anti Milwaukee? <laughs> I did say that Milwaukee one of the lamest cities I've been to. Why but, they've got they've uh, got beer and sausage everywhere. Beer and sausage everywhere. It's 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 not it's not much to do. Uh, pretty lame town. Um, it's a little sister of of Chicago. So this is you know it's only ninety miles away. Um, every time the Bulls during uh, Jordan's championship run would play in Milwaukee, even the Cubs, the Chicago fans go over there and take over their city. So any place where <laughs> another city can go over and take over your city with their fans and make it another home game um, doesn't get a lot of respect from me. Sorry, Milwaukee. Very weak. Uh, speaking of that, a couple of weeks ago, I saw you commenting on Jay Williams' story on Get Up about Kevin Durant. Why was that such a problem that Jay Williams uh, spilled the dirt on what Durant may have said to him about Giannis at some kind of party? Because, I mean, people go out and hang out at parties and enjoy themselves. And I've been in situations of being around public figures that may, they may say something that they wouldn't necessarily say on if they knew that they were being recorded, if they knew that someone would regurgitate this to the, to the public. Um, so now you are ruining everyone's time that people have to act like they're in front of a press conference or and, and be on a certain type of behavior just in, in just hanging out and enjoying themselves. And so you, you're basically, A, ruining other people's time. And B, uh, we, think of it like if someone is talking to you Hanging out, having a beer, and now they have to say, "Don't share this." It make it Jay Will is making times worse for everyone, and uh, I think it was, I think it was <laughs> terrible that he did it. I mean, it just you just don't share people's private conversations and act like it was some sort of quote that you got an interview on. Xavier Pope, we'll close on this. Very important. Father's Day is this weekend. I know. You're a dad. You're very proud mm-hmm. of uh, the job you've done and your kids. You know, can we hold up a celeb dad as one of the model dads? And mm-hmm. it's in conjunction with an award that was just handed out. And I've said this forever. And in fact, I had this guy on my show three years ago. And uh, my father is a cool guy. He did a good job. But I actually told LeVar Ball, I wish he was my dad. And he laughed. And it's funny because he's two years <laughs> older than me. He's only two years older than me. But I knew I, st- I stood up. For LeVar Ball, in the face of all the criticism, I said, hey, ultimately, what's wrong with this guy? He's a good dad. We should all strive to have dads like this. And now LaMelo's won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I grew up as a foster kid without a dad. Um, and to see LeVar Ball, even to even if it was to his own detriment, take the heat while his sit, like no one is holding 
really to fire to his sons for to be great or be to be good. They're holding it to him. I'll take the heat. You guys go be great. Isn't it? And to me, is is it a, a great sacrifice for a father? And I, the, his unyielding belief in his sons are, are a huge part of their success. Just in November, it was a clip I shared with TMZ. LeVar Ball gets gets asked about LaMelo Ball. He says, about rookie of the year, he says, guarantee. If you play for Michael Jordan, you should get a, a, be rookie of the year. And guess what he is? And he, he said that it, LaMelo Ball, would, he, when he was playing overseas, Australian league, and people didn't think he would make it to the NBA, he said he would be a lottery pick. Guess what? He was a top three pick in the N- NBA draft. He said his son, Leangelo, people are talking about him. He should go play football. He says, no, he's going to be in the NBA. And guess what? He probably will be because in, in LeVar, we trust. That is a, <laughs> that's a great dad. Um, say what you will about him. He's made a couple of mistakes, said a couple of, had a couple of gaps here and there, but he's been right about his sons. Happy Father's Day, everybody, and to you too, Xavier. We appreciate a good spot today. Thank you, man. Happy Father's Day, y'all. There he is, Xavier Pope. His Thursday spot is brought to you by Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA. You know, May was Military Appreciation Month, and Nova Home Loans was waiving all the lender processing fees on all VA loans. Well, they've decided to make the rest of 2021 Military Appreciation Year, so the offer still stands. You're talking about a processing fee upwards of $1,200 that is going to be waived. No processing fees, record low interest rates. It's a great opportunity for veteran and active duty military to refinance your existing loan or purchase a home today. And if you're not military, you still call 877-700-NOVA. They've helped out so many people on our staff, including myself. I got a better rate. I got my monthly payment lowered, but you got to make the call. Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA. Tell them Cofield sent you, 877-700-NOVA. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.